This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher hanging out with the one and only Richie Ote. What's up, baby? What's going on, Steve? How are you, my man? Mary Goulet is off doing her wonderful volunteer work in the world. Wade's got it under control in the studio. Kelly's got it under control at the headquarters. And we are, uh, well, let's see, by the time this one airs, it'll probably be post-holiday spirit. But we, uh, we, we are in the holiday spirit here anyway because it's uh, smack dab in the middle of it right here, right now. And I'm um, just super excited to, man, welcome in a, a new year. I don't know. Uh, 2018, good year, bad year. What would you say, Richie, for you personally? Like, how would year. you chalk it up? Yeah, it was a good year. Yeah, good year. it's um, definitely transition year. Yeah, um, all right, but it's good. All right, sweet. Then there you have it. Who, what do you got volume on there? What are you listening to? Somebody's listening to something. What am I hearing? Wait, no. I'm being joined okay. by somebody in the in Ghostland, or it could just be the voices in my head, which is not uh, unusual. Ask my wife; she'll tell you I hear all sorts of interesting things that she never said. I think that's part of her plan. It's like part of her plot, right? It's just get plant those seeds and let me grow them myself and then make, you know, they became my ideas. So it's like, no, I didn't mean to do that. All right, 2018 for you, Kelly. Good year. It's so, the, so yeah, we got to talk about Kelly. Do you, do you, is it Bagla or how do we pronounce it? Absolutely. Yeah. Kelly Bagla. Yeah, because we have Kelly, our Kelly. So that's Kelly Pelker. So we don't want to get confused there. And you are Kelly Bagla joining us here in studio. So thank you for joining us in studio. You live um, actually not terribly far from here. So you're up in the Carlsbad area of the San Diego market. And um, awesome to have you here. I lived in Carlsbad for a minute. It's a nice, nice little town, little beachy, little sleepy, little slow for our for our flavor having come from Chicago. But you, you like Carlsbad? I do. I yeah. really do. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm super excited. Yeah. No, it's awesome to have you here. And we're excited to talk a lot about uh well what you do in terms of the world of law and uh and helping people protect themselves and uh and of course this is a subject that well if you've listened to a past episode you guys know that my my wife is a funeral director uh, and embalmer so she is in a business that will never be going anywhere like that that business is always going to be around albeit some people do it more poorly than others but nevertheless there's always going to be demand for that you're you're in one of those sort of recession proof, economy proof, like ups, downs, ebbs, flows. Like you're always busy. Times are good. Like I I don't know if you know this or not, but I own liquor.com, right? So right. like you drink and you're happy and you drink when you're sad. So like it doesn't really matter, you just drink. So you're kind of in that in that world, right? I mean, when things are like really bad, people need legal advice, legal protection, legal guidance. When things are really good, they need legal advice, legal protection, legal <laughs> guidance. So <laughs> Kind of one of those evergreen industries from that standpoint. How did you get involved in the in the law? And should we refer to you as do we do we have to say ESQ every time we say your name, or are we okay just selling? No, the you don't. I also go by the Queen of Business Law, so you can call me Her Majesty. Uh, or then there's that. <laughs> Kelly's absolutely fine. Yes, Kelly, yes. Her Majesty. I got you. Sweet. So how? Let me let let's go back for a while. Did was this like always a thing for you? Like, did you go to college? You knew you wanted to practice law. This has always been your career or? It's pretty amazing, Steve, because ever since I was five years old and you're probably thinking, what does she know about law, mm-hmm. especially at the age of five? Yeah. So I decided at the age of five, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to do something in that field. And 
I've stuck to my guns. I'm the only attorney in the family. Mm. All of my siblings are in the medical field in some form or fashion. Yeah. My dad was a entrepreneur. He was a business owner. And I have to say, he's truly my mentor. He's someone that I've looked up to and followed in his footsteps. And I thank God, Steve, that I pursued law because it truly is a passion of mine. What happened at... Five. Like, did you see a movie? Was like I must Murder, have. She wrote you or can't handle like the truth. Exactly. That was it. That was it. Right. So, born and raised in England, right? And and there used to be a show on TV called The Queen's Council. Mm. And I think I just really was attracted. Obviously, not five, but growing up, I was really attracted to the outcomes of the cases. And he would always win. The attorney would always win. And I'm thinking, wow, he's really making a difference in people's lives. Mm. So I've never really just been a follower, hence going into law. And it, uh, as soon as I knew that, you know, business was something that is always going to be around. Like you said, it's one of those professions, right? If it's a bad year, it's a good year, business is always going to be around. Mm -hmm. So I decided it's going to be law and it's going to be in business. So here I am. I've got the best of both worlds. I came over to the States for further education. Yeah. Did my bachelor's degree here. I'm the youngest of seven. Mom and dad were busy. Damn. There's (laughs) seven kids. Everyone else is in the medical profession? Absolutely. Oh, the other six, your six brothers and sisters are in the medical world. Yes. Wow. Are you their lawyer? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, because I'm over here. They're all in England, actually. Oh, they're all over there. Yeah. And you came over. Why did you come over to San Diego specifically? Well, at the time, my sister was in San Diego. Well, not in San Diego, but she was in the Bay Area. Okay. So that's how I ended up in California itself. Mm -hmm. And then my brother followed suit right after school. And I had finished school. You finish school at the age of 16 in England. And Mm -hmm. I came out here thinking, you know, I'll come out for a holiday. And I absolutely fell in love with the place. Yeah. And so I filed for student visas, all that good stuff. And I ended up going to university. And since I was away from home for a while, mom wanted me home. So I took advantage of that time. I went to law school there. And I did not want to stay there for another three years after completing my law degree. So Mm -hmm. I came back out here and I did a master's at Whittier Law School. Uh, I believe President Nixon went to that school. So that's our claim to fame. That's your claim to fame? (laughs) It is. All right. I mean, if that's what you're going to lean on, okay, (laughs) have at it. (laughs) It was popular. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so let me, so let me ask you this then. So you, you go, you get out of school. I mean, did you, and you knew you wanted to focus on business law? Like there was never a question in your mind. Did you, did you go down the, the path of sort of general practitioner before you really honed in on it? Or how did you end up in this world of, of focusing then on business law? I think I've always been the type of person that knows exactly what she wants. And once I know exactly what I want, I pursue it. Mm-hmm. I, I pursue it with my heart. There's a few things that dad taught me. And one of them was, if you want something, want it from your heart or otherwise don't bother. Mm-hmm. And the reason I chose law in particular was because of a professor that we had back in England in law school. He was a practicing barrister, actually practicing in the corporate world. And he would bring back real life situations. A barista? Like he was pouring coffee? Oh, is that different? That's not the same thing? A barrister. No, no. So in England, you have a solicitor who's a transactional attorney, such as myself. Right. We've got signs on our doors in America that says no solicitor. Exactly. So that's that's the guy we're trying to keep out of our house, that guy. (laughs) Yes. Yes, that's it. And then you have a barrister. A barrister is a litigator. Oh, 
Yes. See? But this litigator, thank you for, for having me clarify that, yes. Yeah. I'm, I mean, like, literally, I'm thinking... <laughs> it's, it's all right. It, it, I'm learning things, too. It took me until, like, episode five of People's Court till I realized the litigants weren't the name of the family. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the plaintiffs, right? There you go. Yeah. How come everybody's named plaintiff? Right. So, all right. So, okay, I totally get that. And, um, and I know this is going to sound odd, but this is, uh, like... We're not video. This is like we're just so you guys know, we don't uh, rarely do we record these conversations on video. So people aren't going to have the the opportunity to actually see you. And and, and I find that with an English accent, like I don't know what it is with um, with folks in America. Not that it matters at all, but I, I think that you can tell like generally who people are and who you're like with you with the English accent. Like nobody can tell who you are, like what you look like, right? There's no, something I'm, about that English accent, right? So I'm 6'2 and blonde. Right, 6'2 and blonde. <laughs> so, but the the point is, that, and I think this has a little bit to, to do then with just sort of your, your chosen profession. I mean, you're you're of Indian descent, is that? I am, you are, yes, right. Yes. And so, so um, dark hair, dark skin, Indian descent, your, pa- your parents are always, you know, I mean, from what I'm understanding, at least in terms of the the others that we've had on the show that sort of match your ethnic profile, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're really hell-bent on those professions where, like, the parents want their kids to have these kind it's of... It's like doctor-engineer, right? Do- yeah, right? Yes. Like, sort of yes. that whole STEM kind of world, right? And, I think and they so, want to better their children. They want to give their, the children the tools so they yeah. can go out and actually stand on their own two feet. But very now that you bring that point up, Steve and Richard, but we are very entrepreneurial if you if you think of it in that in that way. Yeah, and it's always strive to be the best. Why are you going to be mediocre? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite quotes, and it's from our Bible, the Punjabi Bible, if you will. It's why blend in when you're born to stand out. Mm-hmm. That's how I've lived my life, and yeah. that's exactly how I help my clients live their life as well. So, so did you get pushback from the family when you wanted to pursue the law? Absolutely not. I absolutely think they not. absolutely not. No, they figured that I would go into a different direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they probably thought I'd go into business after dad. Yeah. But no, as soon as I walk into the hospitals, I start to get queasy. So that definitely <laughs> wouldn't have worked for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, you have your own practice, you but you also worked for some of the larger firms, correct? So take us through a little bit of the the background that sets you up to be the expert that you are today where you help people. I mean, you've got your own books and so on and so forth. I mean, you've got you're not a typical lawyer in a lot of ways. So what as we go backwards a few steps, so you ended up kind of doing the traditional legal route of working for other people, right? You didn't come out of the gate and just open up your own practice. No, and anyone that does that, uh, I would strongly say be mindful of people like that because as students in law school, law school teaches you absolutely nothing about life, nothing. It teaches you theory as far as law goes. That might just be the word school. Yes, school. (laughs) Exactly. The, when you, you really get your hands-on experience when you actually work for a firm. I was very fortunate to work for the largest international law firm in the world at the time. It was Baker & McKenzie. Mm. And they were situated here in San Diego. Hence, I ended up in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I truly worked for some of the brilliant legal minds out there. So I really learned from the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Either I could have stayed on that road and gone to the partner road, if you will. 
But it wasn't for me. I saw how the big firms really treat clients. And it wasn't something that I wanted to be part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get lost. In a big firm, clients get lost. And after going to the big firm, I went to a smaller firm. Granted, at the big firm, I learned how to practice law. So I went to a smaller firm thinking that might be a little different. Maybe I could grow with a smaller firm. I was the only female attorney there. There Mm. were probably about 13 attorneys. I was just one of the boys. I really sort of, you know, learned um, IP law and I really grew their corporate department. And very quickly, that's when I learned how to go out and sell. Again, law school doesn't teach you this, right? Working for a big firm doesn't teach you this. So I went out and and really learned how to sell and bring Mm -hmm. business back to the firm. Mm -hmm. At that time, I thought, well, if I can do this for somebody else, why can't I do it for myself? And this was nine years ago. So I've been in practice for 16 years now. 16, I started when I was three. (laughs) And I have had my own firm for nine years and I have loved each and every moment of it. I grew it from two clients to where right now I can pick and choose my clients. Steve, Mm -hmm. imagine that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's been a blessing. I love what I do. Truly love what I do. Yeah. So what's the name of your firm here? Bagler Law Firm. So it is after your name. Okay. So Bagler Law Firm. I was being really creative. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and so your firm specializes then, how would you, so people, it's obviously there's um, a lot of options out there when yes. it comes to finding a, you know, the right attorney for whatever's going on there in your world, in your business, in your personal life, et cetera. So your, your focus specifically, like what's that area of expertise? It's business transactional. So there's two, two um, thoughts, if you will, or two practices within the business realm. So there's a business litigation, which Mm -hmm. is where you defend lawsuits in the business world. And the other one is business transactional. And that's where you incorporate businesses, you draft contracts for businesses, you actually protect business owners in the business world. Mm -hmm. And that's my speciality. I love doing that. Interesting. And so you've kind of taken a a bit of a different route than, than most attorneys in terms of, well, being here, right? I mean, like, Mm, this is, for lack of a better term, this is marketing. I mean, a lot of attorneys don't spend ample time marketing. A lot of attorneys don't spend time writing books and so on, right? So what is it then that kind of drives you to do? Because I would think that this probably reflects um, in some way, shape, or form why you were different than so many other different, than so many other attorneys that are out there. But just take us through kind of what your mindset is around why you're doing this side of it. Like you could, it sounds to me like you can pick and choose your clients, right? So why the, why the give back? Why come on a show like this and and share your expertise? Why write the books? Why not just keep increasing your rates and just keep picking and choosing clients and, you know, keep keep building the business by referral? As you said, I'm not your typical attorney. Mm. By the way, I love attorney jokes, don't you? Um, Does that mean I, I think I know one. <laughs> I, I have several for you. I well, think the only one that I know is like, what do you call 50 attorneys at the bottom of a pool? A good start. A good start, right. I mean, like, yeah. like it's the only, do you know any of them? I don't know any of them. Until you jokes. need one, right? Right, I know. We <laughs> have to take that guy <laughs> then now. Then you have to Get go fishing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the difference between God and a lawyer? Yeah. God, you can actually reach on a consistent basis. No, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, God doesn't think he's a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, as you were saying, I'm not your typical attorney. I am actually an entrepreneur. 
And I discovered my entrepreneurial spirit when I actually opened my own firm. Again, there is no guide out there for someone to say, oh, Kelly, you decided to open your own firm. Here's a book from A to Z to exactly how to open it, how to run it, how to manage it. Yeah. Here you go. You know, mm-hmm. God, Godspeed. Mm-hmm. There isn't a book out there. I had to learn the hard way. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anyone to reach out to, didn't have a mentor. I learned the hard way. So my clients on a consistent basis, they are entrepreneurs just like me. They have passion. We all have passion, but we can't make money from passion, right? Mm-hmm. It would be nice if we could, yeah. but that's just not possible. But you have to couple passion with how to actually market what you're selling. It could be your services. It could be a product. And they always, they meaning entrepreneurs with passion, they always get themselves in trouble. Currently, right now, you have, they've got two options. One is they're going to start a business or they go to law school. I'm sorry, they can go to law school. They go to a law firm. And law firms, as everyone knows, they are very expensive. Before you even start to put money into the marketing aspect of your business, you've already spent it on legal. The other option is to do it yourself online with these um, companies that are out there, such as LegalZoom, (laughs) exactly, Rocket Lawyer. And the problem there is you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. So you can't just go on and say, okay, I want to incorporate. Well, what is it going to be? Is it going to be an LLC? Is it going to be a corporation? Is it going to be S Corp? They can advise you because they're not lawyers, right? So you're basically at the mercy of somebody else saying this is what you need. And when people like that come to me and they say, okay, we've incorporated, I pretty much have to redo everything because one, they're incorporated in the wrong entity. And two, they've got the fraction of the contracts that they need to actually go out and do business. Let me give you a scenario. So Steve, you are going to open a business, okay? And you have a budget for legal and you want to start engaging because you've got clients knocking on your door. So what are you going to need? You're going to need legal protection because you Mm -hmm. have personal assets. You're going to need a client contract. You're going to need website terms and conditions. Otherwise, how else is people going to find you? Mm -hmm. And so you, as the entrepreneur, you don't know you need all of that, but yet you want to go out and start business from day one on the right legal foot. Mm -hmm. Well, I noticed there wasn't a package out there for that. And the only place that you can get that exact package is, again, at the law firms that charge you a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And these are the packages that I put together for my clients. So I'm taking it to the next step. I'm thinking outside the box. Sometimes I have to create the box because it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I decided to set the record straight and actually write a book for entrepreneurs. I don't know. I've never heard anybody talk about the business legal life cycle. Yeah. Just as yourselves, you have a life cycle. You grow up, you know, you mature, you, you go out off to work, you mm-hmm. want to plan for retirement. The same thing happens when it comes to your business. It actually has a legal life cycle. Mm-hmm. So there's a startup phase. By the way, I've uh, trademarked that name. I've coined that, <laughs> that phrase, business legal life cycle. Gotcha. Yes. <laughs> there's the, the startup phase. There's a growth phase. That's the exciting phase where you're actually building your business. Mm-hmm. You have the established phase. That's where you can sit back a bit and, and really enjoy what you've done. And then you've got the exit phase. That out of all the phases, right, which one do you think is the most important? Um, I'm going to say probably the startup phase. How many ways can you start a business? A lot of ways. At least three. One. <laughs> <laughs> one, you just start. Yeah. The most important phase, I, I know, you got that one wrong, Steve. The exit. I'm holding classes every Thursday. 
the exit phase. Absolutely, Richard. Yes, the, mm-hmm. because that's going to pay for the life that you want to live. Right, that's going to be your retirement. Mm-hmm. If you want to live. You know, in Chicago, six months out of the year, oh. or if you want to go off to the Bahamas, Richard, you know, six months out of the year, you you have to treat well, I gotta your go to business. Chicago. He gets to go to the Bahamas. How does that work? I smiled more. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I think that was it. That was it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to learn how to be a, a little more friendly. Yeah, I guess so. So wait, so do you? So you help people with with the exits as well? Then absolutely. So like valuation and structure and all of that it's all about setting your business up for sale from day one and you don't get that with online legal zoom company mm-hmm. you, you just don't get that so what are some of the, the key pieces of advice then that you give to your clients as they're looking to potentially exit from whatever it is that they're that they're doing like what are what are some of the key ideas that people can think about here as they're either in that startup phase or in that growth phase so that they can really structure, uh, you know, an exit that's most lucrative mm-hmm. for them. What do you suggest? Well, number one is that your company has to own its assets. If it doesn't own its assets, what are you selling? Mm-hmm. Business like what's owners. an example of an asset? I mean, the, just... the company name. How about the company name? So, for example, I started this second business just for entrepreneurs. It's called Go Legal Yourself. Mm-hmm. And... The company name, Go Legal Yourself, is an actual trademark and mm-hmm. the company owns it. So that's an asset that the company owns. The licenses. So if, if I was going to go out and create these products, right, the products aren't in my name. They're going to be in the business name. Mm-hmm. Each and every contract needs to be in the business name. If you're going to have, say, work trucks, work vehicles, they have to be in the business name. Nothing can be in your name at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Contracts with key clients, they have to be in the business name. Mm -hmm. When you are going to sell something, you're going to sell the business as a package. The business owns everything and it gives it more value. If the business doesn't own its own name and somebody else out there can go ahead and trademark it and use it, you've just lost the most valuable piece of your business. You know, I think I constantly, when people bring that up, I think of Hollywood as a perfect example. It doesn't seem like it to the outsider, but every movie is under its own LLC and the licensing's under the name of that movie. Like when everything happens, mm-hmm. the, that company kind of, you would know a be- the better term, but it dissolves as far as that piece goes, but it still somehow stays together on what it made. Absolutely. Like it's a weird, what, is there a term for that? Because the business is kind of gone. They don't, they're not doing it anymore, but it lives on, right? There's these movies that are selling over and over again and licensing rights and all that stuff. Is mm-hmm. there a... That, uh, that's, you're setting up your business for success. Yeah, I, mean, I would think as an entrepreneur, like how do you... I would want a piece of the business instead of money. You know what I mean? If you found the right businesses, it would almost be like... Equity. Equity in the business. Do right. you ever find yourself doing that? It's a more in-depth conversation with clients, but mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. This is part of setting up the business for, for sale, right? So if you have a um, competitor or, or a person that wants to buy your business today and you're not ready for it, they're not going to wait around six months or eight months for you to get your stuff in order so they can come back and buy you. They're not going to do that. They've got the money right there and then, mm-hmm. and they want to buy you. So they want to buy the package. But some advice... You know, unsolicited completely is uh, whenever you are selling your business, you do want to make sure that you actually 
keep a little bit of equity for that because it's residual income. Mm -hmm. That's what business owners really need to focus on. And and that should be the bigger goal is when you're sleeping, your business should be making money for you. Mm -hmm. So just just so I'm clear, you're saying like even on an exit, you don't want to take 100 percent out of that business. You want to keep a a portion of that in. Oh, absolutely. So there's a couple of ways if it's. Say if they just want to buy the rights to a license or, or a product, right? You mm-hmm. could certainly license the product, the, the rights to use it. That way it gives you residual income. You can certainly keep a part of the equity of the business. So whenever dividends are issued, you still get a piece of that. Um, you never really 100% go away from it. And then you can also be a consultant, to the buyer that just bought your business. So you still have residual income coming in. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, well, I was going to say, since you're an entrepreneur and you know you grew up, father was an entrepreneur, you knew you want to do this early on and you focused on business and you're also saying keep a piece. Um, can you see places where entrepreneurs should set up other things? Like say, for instance, Steve has like New Media Summit. It's an amazing conference. But I could easily see how he could set up a structure and teach someone how to do this and go on the road where he now gets, you know, four or five people getting to go do something. They wouldn't be able to do it as well as he does it. But is that the kind of you're, are you trying to, like, help structure those type things? Do you since you're an entrepreneur? Do you see those other revenue streams? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's pretty incredible when you actually open up somebody's business if you will. They, they come into the office, I have a conversation with them, look at what they have, make sure the assets belong to the business themselves. And sometimes these the, the business owners, right, th- this is their baby. Mm-hmm. They, they have um, pretty much given birth to the baby sure. and they, they grew it. And they always are heartbroken when they have to sell it. But that's why you create a business is to sell it. But you never do um, you know, completely disconnect from it. So there are other avenues such as write a book about what you went through that's residual income coming in teach you know you you can teach workshops you can teach classes you can actually maybe sometimes it's not the best option just to sell but maybe franchise Mm. so the options are endless Richard absolutely Mm. so let's go down the other side of the the mountain here then in terms of the pitfalls and things that you see that can potentially put uh, a business in in danger or in harm's way, in jeopardy, whatever you want to call it. What are some of the mistakes that you consistently see businesses make that open them up for potential lawsuits or, uh, you know, they, maybe they're just not taking advantage of mm, loopholes or anything of these nature, right? Just, I just want to make sure that people have an understanding of perhaps some of the mistakes that you see businesses making and, and what we need to be cognizant of. Uh, whether we're starting a business or we're in the growth phase, uh, et cetera. I'm so happy you asked me that question. <laughs> well, then good. <laughs> so, so happy because I actually address the pitfalls of running a business in my book. Yeah. Go yeah. legal yourself. Go legal yourself. And exactly. And each hey, and every business owner should. go legal yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Would you mind keep saying that over and over again? Richie, go legal yourself. <laughs> It's the best thing you can do for yourself. Yeah, because you know what happens if you don't. So I've addressed really what could go wrong. I know what could go wrong in each phase, right? Going back to that business legal life cycle. So I'll give you an example in the startup phase. Just incorporating an entity by itself 
isn't going to protect your personal assets. Your personal assets being your home, that's like the biggest asset you have, right? Yeah. Maybe bank accounts, maybe a nice car. So if you are just incorporated and you never ever look at your business documentation, you never ever do annual minutes, that there's the law here says we will give you that protection where if your business gets sued, they won't be able to reach your personal assets, but you have to follow corporate compliance. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that mean? Right? I always get blank stares from business owners, rightfully so, because they didn't go to law school. Mm-hmm. And just doing the bare minimum, which is the annual minutes, can absolutely save you from losing your home. Mm. It's it's that simple. So well, that's a pitfall. That. But they talk about like piercing the corporate veil. That's and, exactly and all that, it. Right? So like everybody talks about, oh, if I got an LLC, then then I'm I'm fine. I'm protected. Right? But then you hear all day long about like it doesn't matter. Like they're just going to sue you personally anyway. So how do you address that? And is, is and is there any, is there really an opportunity to, to fully protect your personal assets absolutely absolutely yeah so what does that look like like how do you how do you do that well first of all you have to make sure that you're in the right entity 99 percent of the time people that want to open up a business think that an llc is a perfect entity for them Mm -hmm. llcs were created just to hold real estate there was supposed to be a pass-through entity Mm -hmm. and that was it Mm -hmm. right it doesn't give you any personal protection if you will it can protect a real estate real property in the llc yeah Right, but it doesn't give you. So let's use property. a practical example. So my wife is going to be opening up a funeral home. Now, obviously, there's some risk that goes hand in hand with that. I mean, you don't take care of someone's loved one in the way that they want to be mm-hmm. taken care of. Mm-hmm. You lose a body. I mean, I don't know. Right, something could happen. How would you recommend then, in in that instance where somebody has potential, uh, I guess, potential risk and potential liability and potential exposure? Uh, how how should she set that up? It should be a corporation. Okay, it Sub should chapter be chapter S. So like, how, what's all that? Like, there's all right. that too, so right? There, there's two types. There's a C, and then there's an S. And the difference between the two is just a tax election with the IRS. So a subchapter S is basically you're taxed as a small business. Uh, a regular corporation, you're taxed twice. So once on the corporate level, and then again where the shareholders get money, they, they're, they're taxed on that too. Mm-hmm. So with, Why would let's just say, because if you have a rich I mean, uncle, like really. if you have a rich uncle in England mm-hmm. and that rich uncle wants to invest in your company, you have to be a C-Corp. If you have more than 100 shareholders, you have to be a C-Corp. So but there less are than certain, 100, you can do the S? Yes, you can do the S, less mm-hmm. than 100. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. have to be... Uh, U.S. citizens or residents. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I'm assuming your wife doesn't have a rich uncle in England, so that let's just me. say, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say it's going to be an S corp. So mm-hmm. we set her up as an S corp. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she has to have the the litany of corporate documents that actually create a proper legal entity. Because if I was going to sue you or your wife, damn, you say that with your eyes. My I know. God. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> it's scary. the passion. You right? got like these piercing green <laughs> eyes, like when you. When you when your husband pisses you off, like is that's got to be a really bad place to be? Like, I just saw it for like half a second there. Man, don't don't end that, up. That was the attorney that came out. Right, to me. don't that be the defendant it. in a case against Kelly. My God, plaintiff. 
We want exactly. Kelly on our side. Thank you, right. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> so if I was going to sue your wife. Damn, just the way you even and, say that. <laughs> and, and you included, Steve. <laughs> just for giggles, I'm going to throw you in there. Great, okay? joy. It's, yes. it's up to you and your wife to make sure that you've got the proper legal documents in place. That's why you never go to LegalZoom. Mm-hmm. Right? You can absolutely go to a law firm, but you're going to pay three, four, five times as much. Mm-hmm. Do you have $20,000, $25,000 just to set your business up? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, Who most does? most people don't budget for that, for sure. Exactly. Right? So to make sure that your articles are properly filed, that you do have bylaws, that you've got organizational minutes, and I know what I'm saying right now is probably not going to make sense to, to somebody out there, but you have to understand why I'm saying this because it's not just the articles that are being filed or just mm-hmm. the bylaws. You have to have a separate bank account. You have to have credit cards in the name of the company. Mm-hmm. Do not commingle funds. Even if there's one payment, so you pay for your, your kids' books or something like that through the company uh, credit card. Yeah. I'm going to bring you in personally. I'm going to say, judge, judge, he's commingling. Kelly Pelker. He's commingling. Make note. <laughs> Kelly, my Kelly, make note. Yes, so, commingling. So, no commingling. Ah, gotcha. So are you saying the business can't, pay for a personal expense, but the personal could pay for a business and then the business could pay it back? Yes. Okay. But you have to keep written documentation. Got it, got it. Yeah. Everything. Mm-hmm. So this is what I do. I counsel my clients from day one because they don't, they don't, they have no idea about mm-hmm. this. Right? How many, so do you, so go ahead, Richard. I was just going to say, how many, <laughs> how many people hear this and then get afraid to start a business? Well, they really don't because of the way I talk to them. I make them feel very, very comfortable. See how much nicer she is to me than she is to She wants to sue you and your wife. I know. She's with like, you, with well, you, the I, I help them. I want to help it's them. It's interesting. You, with you, <laughs> Maybe the she I, just sees I need more help. No, the, the, it's interesting because with you, the eyebrows went up and it's like, I like you and I want to help you. With me, the eyebrows went together and like, it was sue like. your wife and you. Right. <laughs> for giggles. Yeah. <laughs> Just because I can. You know, it happens. It, it truly happens. Oh, and a vein in the forehead, it's too. True. Man, it truly my God. happens. Yes. It does, yeah. It. So, um, all right. So, and do you do you still actually do this work? Or do you I have do. people who... I do. But you have other attorneys underneath you now. Like, give me a sense of... Of what your your organization looks like. Is it just you? Is it still a sole practitioner? Or did you bring in other attorneys to help? Or what? what, what is your firm like at this juncture? I deliberately chose to keep my firm small mm-hmm. it's me and then i have a paralegal mm-hmm. and i deliberately did that yeah. because i want to be involved in each and every client's life i want to be held responsible for what the work that yeah. i put out there and i know my own capabilities as yeah. opposed to relying on somebody else's you asked me earlier well what are the pitfalls when you grow yeah. your company the one single thing that can take a company down fast and hard is a disgruntled employee. For sure. Especially in California, right? California automatically sides with the employee. They don't care about business owners. Really? Absolutely not. So you, as the business owner, you have to make sure that your legal ducks in a row. For example, you have to have an employee handbook. I know it sounds like too much uh, restrictions for the company. You have to have that. You have to have an employee application. When someone fills out an application... You're basically holding them to what they've written down because everybody knows employees never, ever, ever lie, right? Yeah, right, never. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have an employee agreement basically saying to the employee, look, everything that you're doing belongs to the company. Mm -hmm. You can't take my Rolodex when you leave and start your own business. You can't compete with me. 
Right. So you have to make sure that the company owns everything. The company's always in full control. Mm-hmm. And it's all through proper written documentation. I have a, a package for that as well. Yeah. So give it so give us an understanding then of, of generally what it would take to work with I mean I, I think as as you so uh, rightly pointed out, you're gonna find that there are folks out there who We'll just try to go the the cheap and, and easy route and go with one of these you know online type businesses etc. But then at the end of the day, it can cost them a hundred x what it should have cost them. They just did it the right way in the first place. So for you to help someone get set up and then kind of protect them and work with them throughout their their legal life cycle, like what does it take for somebody to get started with you from an investment standpoint to to get set up properly? What just give us an understanding of what that might look like. So that's when I decided to actually open Go Legal Yourself, golegalyourself.com. I have two companies. I'm an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. By the way, remind me to talk to you about the plush toy that I invented as well. And I was on ABC last year. So remind me to talk about that too. Push okay. or plush? <laughs> plush. Plush. Plush, okay. Yeah. Like, A plush toy. Got it. Plush yes. toy. Plush toy. Now we're talking. Yes, okay. we are. Sweet. So I have my firm, Bagler Law Firm, and yeah. that is there to serve uh, business owners that have contract issues or what have you. I decided, and then I decided to open Go Legal Yourself and create two packages. One is the Startup Essentials Package. That's for a business owner that wants to start a business on the right foot and not be sued down the line because they don't have the right paperwork. So it's a complete package put Mm -hmm. together. And it is because I practice with the big boys, right, the big law firm, I actually bring all of that big law firm experience to the small business owner and I've created those packages. Mm -hmm. So for an investment and it truly is an investment, not yeah. just to protect yourself, but your family too, because now your family is on the line. Like I said earlier, Richard, if I was going to sue Steve's wife, I'm going to bring him in too. <laughs> so your family your is on. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not that brutal, <laughs> unless they're 18. <laughs> but we're going to assume they're not, right? Yeah. So uh, the package, the investment that you are really going to put into this is $5,000, which mm-hmm. is absolutely nothing when it comes to looking at the big picture. Mm-hmm. The same package that you're going to get, you can absolutely get the same package, but from the law firm, you're looking at $20,000, $25,000. But does that include like, I mean, we're just talking like an off the shelf kind of thing and just fill in the blanks or is this like it's you really actually are mm-hmm. involved with, with getting them set up? I actually am involved you in getting involved. them set up. So they purchase the package themselves, and then I actually get them incorporated, and they have they get my time involved in the package as well so they can come and sit with me and we do a strategic planning for them and make sure they're on the right foot. Mm-hmm. No, it sounds it's really, a giveaway, really, really, to come to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> you find that it's just, I mean, because to the average person starting a business, I mean, $5,000 is... A lot of money. I mean, no matter no matter how you slice it. So but I think they already know that legal is expensive. And mm-hmm. so when you do start a business, you have to budget for it. You really do. If you're not incorporated, it's a hobby. Yeah, that is true. So so let's go back then to some examples because you said you help throughout the, the various, well, as you call it, the legal life cycles. Business legal life cycles. Business cycle. legal trademark. Business legal life cycles. 
Got it. Yes. Uh, is that a TM or an SM or an R circle or what oh, are we talking about? Oh, it's an R in the circle. It's an R in the yeah. circle. Okay, so it's an official <laughs> registered trademark it of is. Kelly Bagla ESQ. I love yes, it. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes. Of Whittier Law School fame, <laughs> which is where Richard Nixon went, as we learned there. Uh, so just, uh, but I want to make sure that we're clear on this. So as we go back then to the other um, elements of the business legal Life cycle. Yes, got it. Yay. And we look to exit, let's say, as an example here. Can, can any business exit? Like, is it like I, we often talk about this? I mean, in terms of like even my business, right, with a with a mailing list and a, and a podcast and I do a live event and we do some coaching and some done for you type services. Right. And, and all that fun stuff. Like, is that is it even possible for a business like mine to exit? Can any business exit? And what do you have to look for if you're going to potentially exit from your business? Like, what are some of the things you need to be putting in place so that you can ensure that you actually get to a number that makes sense? So any business can exit, but you have to set it up in that way. Most entrepreneurs. So what does that mean? Though? I'm just going to explain to you. Yes, please. Most entrepreneurs are involved in the business. They are the business. Yeah. Right. So this is where they have to start separating themselves from the business. They have to start writing whatever policies and procedures that they follow automatically because it's all in their head. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to teach somebody else, or they're going to put together a workbook or a something that they can sell. Okay. So this is their knowledge. But that that's what we're doing here. That that's what you're doing too. You're selling your knowledge and your experience. Mm-hmm. And so you, you make sure that you can actually separate from the business in that respect. You can... But when you're an expert, like like Bagla Law Firm without Kelly Bagla, is that worth anything? Absolutely, because it of is? the client list. Because of the client list? The client list, yes. Because mm-hmm. of the client list. You get to a point in your business where you obviously gain other people's trust. Mm-hmm. And when you refer other people to your client, your client's going to say, yes, absolutely, because it came from you. Mm-hmm. Okay, So, yes, you can sell. Obviously, they won't be able to use my name because in the legal world, well, I have to be part of... At that of, point. Like, I, assuming you die and, or you... <laughs> I mean, like, that's my the assumption. My assets, they can absolutely... My assets would be worth a lot more. If you're still alive. No, either which way. If I was going to sell Bagler Law Firm, yeah. right, I could sell the assets of the firm. So, like, how would you value a like? Let's just say you've got a thousand people who have gone through and they've done your five thousand dollar package. So that's five million dollars in revenue. Thousand people have gone through, done your five thousand dollar package. It's five million dollars in revenue. But that's, that's nice. That's, well, it is nice, right? But that's done, and it's water under the bridge. So, as you're thinking about exiting, like, what value? How do you value those thousand people in terms of structuring an exit? Because they've already but you know what I mean? They, that, they, it's that's already... the startup package, right? Yeah, there's, there's a growth a life package. Cycle. Exactly. <laughs> life cycle. Thank months, you. Uh-huh. Thank you. Oh yes. <laughs> Wait, that would be a business legal, legal life cycle. Yes. 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 So this hey, is. Hey, <laughs> go legal yourself right now. Sorry. Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, the way I've set this business up, this business meaning go legal yourself, right? So you do have the startup package. But once somebody starts up, they're going to want to grow. That's mm-hmm. part of the life cycle of the business. So yeah. we have the, the growth business uh, package as well. And then once they add that and they start growing, then they need to start trademarking certain names that are going to bring value to mm-hmm. the company. Mm-hmm. And then as you're going along, you're actually setting up your business to be bought out. 
I think the one thing that any business owner needs to think about is, do you want to leave a legacy or not? Mm -hmm. And if you do want to leave a legacy, how are you going to do that? I'm already leaving a legacy through GoLegalYourself.com and also through the books that I've written. Yeah. They're going to be here even after I'm gone. Yeah, for sure. So, and they actually bring value. That's the difference, Steve. Mm-hmm. So how are businesses, Let's like, just staying on the exit front for a minute here, so how, how are businesses valued? Like what, what are some of the common valuations and metrics and things that buyers look for? Like right now, if you were to sell your firm, I assume it would be bought by another firm. I mean, they would be buying your client list ostensibly, Well, there's two right? companies we're talking about, right? So go legal yourself can be bought by, let's just say, LegalZoom. They can, they can make me an offer tomorrow and I can either accept or deny. Mm-hmm. The law firm itself, yes, that would be have to be bought out by uh, another law firm. Mm-hmm. So, but how are each of those valued? Valued exactly. So there is a formula when it comes to valuing stuff. Now, if I had a pen, okay, I was the only one with a pen. Nobody else had a pen, and you needed that pen. What's the value of that pen? Depends on if I need to write something or not. I'll probably just text somebody. You have like, no, you, 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 you have no phone. Gonna, oh, <laughs> you have no phone. It's for a check. Ah, you have no <laughs> phone, and you have to write this check to your mortgage, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're about to lose your home. Mm-hmm. How much is that pen worth to you? Yeah, that's how you set up your business. Mm. Again, there's a deeper conversation, but I want you to look at the big picture. There are endless of options, mm-hmm. endless. But people would argue that you know anybody can do what you do. Right. I mean, you're you're setting people up with a corporation. You're helping to protect their assets. You're doing what any good attorney should do. So how should should. So how do you differentiate then what you're doing from others as you're going through these legal life cycles here, especially in the growth phase? And and what's what's after growth? Established. Established. Got it. So especially as you're going through those two phases and potentially looking at the exit phase, what what can you do? What do you recommend that your clients do so that they don't get thrown into the bucket of you're you're just like anyone else, right? I mean, like there is something uniquely uh, of value to what it is that you are doing that others aren't. So what, what are some of the things that people can think about as they're going through the, those two phases in particular and per- perhaps heading towards that exit? One thing I want to do, I do want to share, and and it might not be obvious, is that I actually I'm an I'm an attorney, but I'm an entrepreneur. Right. I have several businesses. I have run several businesses, so that puts me in an entrepreneur's shoes. I understand what they go through. I understand what they have to think about, how they can budget, what pitfalls they need to think about. I'm already there advising them. This is what you need to think about. Other attorneys that are out there, they go to law school, they join a firm, and that is it. Mm -hmm. They don't write books, so they're not authority within that field. From day one, I have never been in general practice. I have always been in the business world. I'm, I'm really, truly known as a corporate and securities attorney. That's what that's the title they gave me at the big firm. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I am a business attorney. I'm an entrepreneur that really relates to entrepreneurs. I've gone through the pain and struggles that they go through on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I actually care. I actually care about them. Having seen them, putting them on a successful path and actually seeing them grow, 
that truly brings me joy. I feel like I have contributed. I have done something to um, better someone else's life. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's not always about the money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's partially why I asked that equity question earlier, because I could tell that you care. There's a deeper level. And if you do, and you can also tell when an entrepreneur is good and you've set them up right, and you have each of these phases set up right, why not take a piece? Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, like not? I said, the options are absolutely endless. Yes. Yeah. So let's just, and I want to make sure that I give you a time here in the, in the last few minutes. What, what are some are of... Are you saying our time is coming to an end? I'm saying, unfortunately, in this moment... <laughs> He's going uh, to fill out his paperwork right, to, in yeah. case he gets sued. Yeah, exactly. He's going to go buy a couple of pens. Yeah, but, but, but the good news is, is that I, I round up by every 12 minutes. So I will be billing you actually for 48 minutes, even though the interview is only going to be 43 minutes. I'm going to round up to the next set of 12 minutes there. I think that's, that's, that's pretty much... Common practice for law, right? So, yeah. See, and I don't do that. That's another difference between me and, and attorneys out there. If we talk for 43 minutes, you bill me for 43 minutes. No. No, see? You're rounding up to the hour. That's the <laughs> Not even every 12-minute increments. No, We're rounding I'm, up I'm to gonna, the hour. I'm going to bill you for the entire day. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, you've obviously been in my bank accounts. Is there something else we should know? All right, so let me, let me just ask you this then. So from... From a legal perspective, again, as we look at the you know the business legal life cycles, if you're going to say you know absolutely positively like this is something you need to think about doing in 2019 for your business in any one of those four phases, what do you recommend that people that people do to really protect themselves uh, and of course their 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 business? Well, I urge your listeners to go check out golegalyourself.com. Have a look at the Startup Essentials package, especially with the new tax laws in place. You can actually save a lot of money incorporating in the right way. Mm. So saving money should be number one for 2019. Protecting yourself, protecting your family should be number two in 2019. Mm -hmm. And making sure that the company owns its own assets by using these packages that I've created for you. Just go check it out. The other thing I'd like to mention too is I do have a podcast. Yes, I do have a podcast and it is quite (laughs) funny. It's not your typical legal podcast. Mm. Is it called Go Legal Yourself? It is. You can actually download that app directly from your app stores to your phone. And what I'm offering your listeners uh, today, Steve mm-hmm. and Richard, is that um, you can actually get a free ebook of my bestseller book, Go Legal Yourself. Yeah. It tr- do yourselves a favor. If you're going to go into business, at least do the first step, right? Educate yourself. If you're not going to go to law school, educate yourself. Read the book, become, become comfortable, know exactly what you're heading into. Mm-hmm. And I'm the biggest champion of entrepreneurs because there's only 13% of entrepreneurs in America, 13%. And to be one of the 13%, it's huge. And to make sure that you actually continue being successful is even bigger than that. So please visit my website, listen to a couple of my episodes. They're bloody hilarious. (laughs) Is that true? Are they bloody hilarious? They're bloody (laughs) hilarious. Yes. We share some attorney jokes. Yeah, and, no, I'm, and t- I'm looking at your manager agency. Exactly. Right yes, yes. yes. Those, my my yeah. speaker's manager. Say no? I know, right? Yeah, bl- and, I'm, and I'm sure bloody hilarious is exactly the term that you would use. Yeah, bloody Yeah, she, she wouldn't lie. It's funny to watch him bleed. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. I, I would highly recommend you know, to go check out the website. 
Go so, legalyourself.com. Yeah, well, that's awesome. So, any, uh, so uh, thank you for that. And uh, of course, encourage everybody to go grab a free copy of that book. And, uh, and not only, of course, will you learn a ton from it, but you may find that there are questions that you have mm-hmm. that remain unanswered. And are you available for consultations or how, what, what can someone do if they actually then want to? meet with you or speak with you. Um, obviously, they can go grab the book, but if they want to meet with you, speak with you personally, or even if they're here in the, the San Diego, Southern California, but I assume you can meet with them on Skype or Zoom or mm-hmm. anyone, anywhere. I do actually anywhere. have international clients. Yeah. You have international yeah, clients, yeah. yeah. So, But for for your listeners, yeah. only, Steve, yes, only, only for your listeners. Because yes. you wouldn't possibly say this of on another podcast not. or of on your own. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Of course not. Like I said, listen to my episodes, you'll find out. Uh-huh. No, Which are they can bloody certainly... hilarious, oh, they by the are way. Yes. Bloody hilarious. It only works if you say that with an English accent. Like yeah. When you're just a white guy trying to say, yeah, it's a bloody hilarious show. Like It, just it doesn't, doesn't work. work. It doesn't no, work no, at don't, all. Don't take away from that. Right. <laughs> no, all they have to do is simply email me at kelly at golegalyourself.com and mention that they're a listener of your show. Yeah. I'll be happy to consult with them. Kelly at golegalyourself.com. And that's, that's awesome. free of charge. Oh, but they have, <laughs> <laughs> they have to mention. They have to mention Radio. They have to mention, absolutely, okay. yes, yes. Yes, and don't be scared. Kelly may sound like a tough cookie, but she's a sweetie. I, I, I am, yes. I am. And you care. I do. See? See? It comes across. I do. And, <laughs> and you're going to express all of that caring, and you're going to bring that passion and that fire with you to the New Media Summit, right? You're going to come there. You're going to pitch the podcasters. You're going to be, go. yeah. You're going to get be a guest on more shows. Is that the We're going to go, right, Denise? Yeah, yeah Denise. We're going. Yeah, Denise said yeah. She's in. <laughs> so Kelly, my Kelly Pelker, uh, they're in. They're coming to the New Media Summit. We're going to have uh, Denise and, and Kelly there. So you guys should come and meet Kelly and Absolutely. meet Denise and of course meet us and Richie and uh, Mary will be back with us next week. Hey, doing anything fun for the holidays before we wrap up here? Anything? Oh, fun? I'm staying home with my five dogs. My husband five and five dogs. dogs. <laughs> Good lord. Oh, by the way, yes, Yes. I I love dogs. Absolutely dog person. When I met my husband, he had three long-haired dachshunds, right, wiener dogs. So the joke around the house is I fell in love with my husband's wieners. (laughs) (laughs) And then you explained where the S was. Uh Exactly. Nice. Well, Kelly, it's been... uh... A pleasure and uh, and an honor to have you join us here Thank you on so much. Reinvention Radio, Denise. You've been so just like just so that, that, that smile over there has been. <laughs> oh, thank you, and and I didn't really. I'm gonna piss anybody off. Definitely not gonna be Denise with those nails. Like man, like that's yeah. Oh my god, she's so, my security. Security, awesome. Like you need it, but very cool. <laughs> go legalyourself.com. Go grab a free copy of the book. You can email Kelly at golegalyourself.com. Reference Reinvention Radio, and she'll be happy to chat with you. Protect yourself in 2019. Do what you got to do. All right, for Richie Ote, I'm Steve Olsher. Talk to you next time here on Reinvention Radio. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit ReinventionRadio.com. Attention coaches, authors, speakers, and business owners. Please pay close attention to what I'm about to say if you want to secure massive visibility fast and generate thousands of highly qualified leads without spending a dime on advertising or marketing. The easiest way to make this happen is to appear as a guest on the world's most popular podcast. We recently came across an awesome resource that provides detailed contact information for 240 new media influencers who are looking for guests just like you. 
you. It's called the Ultimate Directory, and for a limited time, you can get the preview edition of the directory absolutely free. That's right, for free. It's time for you to get the visibility you and your business deserve and connect with the world's leading icons of influence who can make you famous with the push of a button. Get your free preview edition of the Ultimate Directory right now at www.myultimatedirectory.com. That's myultimatedirectory.com.